Matt Andrus will, sh will share our reading this morning. This is Don't Try So Hard by Stephen Philbrick. It comes in a shiver sometimes, sometimes in a winter window pane, wild with the unseeable frozen there, the shapes above clouds, the score of wind and the words too, the plot of waves and the brain that lays and abandons them. Don't try so hard. Sometimes it falls, a flake at a time, into your life when you're asleep. Sometimes it comes as a winter blankness, waiting for storm or ice or thaw or even wind. And then the air by itself groans and the trees speak out of themselves. The swamp shudders and the woods come too. Sometimes it comes when you least expect it and sometimes it doesn't. Quiet, still, no voice, not even small. No whirlwind, no reply, no burning, just a bare winter bush. The space between stars where noise goes to die and the space between atoms where the charges thin out, these are places too. The moment in the movement of the soul when it all seems to stop seized up, this is true too, ice is also and dormancy. I don't mean the stirring of seeds beneath the snow but the place between and the moment before. And I don't mean a lightning bolt, but what it passes through. I don't mean a dream, but dumb sleep. After the end and before the beginning is time too. Let it alone, don't try so hard. This is God too, all of you is. The holiday season, with the back-to-back -back Thanksgiving turnaround, can be a bright line in the sand between those who are gleefully hanging holiday lights and making seasonal treats and inviting people over, and those who are bracing themselves, waiting for it to be over. The most wonderful time of the year can also come with an undercurrent of pressure to get gifts and get the right gifts. I was listening to a columnist, columnist on NPR as I was driving here this morning giving advice for exactly the right gifts and what not to get. The expectation to get your holiday cards sent out early with a perfectly groomed family with everyone smiling in the same photo and balancing family parties and trying to get everything done on time and remain cheerful and grounded through it all. The season, while between the expectations and the realities of our lives, it can be a setup. And we are well acquainted with the cultural expectations that we encounter on December. Peace on earth, or at least within our families. Goodwill to all, joyful, joyful, all is calm, merry, and bright. And this season can be a touchstone, a time of beloved traditions, of family connections, of generosity and gratitude. But not always, and not for everyone, and not every year. So if you are not 
quite feeling the Christmas spirit this year, or if you are supporting a loved one who is not particularly merry and bright right now, then this sermon is especially for you. And if you are in the Christmas spirit this year, if your lights are hung and you have decked the halls in your heart and in your home, this sermon is certainly not to make you feel, to have you tamp down the cheer or make you feel guilty. It's simply for you to tuck away for a time when you need it because we all have days or years or seasons when we need it. This season, perhaps you or someone you know is estranged from family or spending time with family is particularly complicated. Perhaps this is your first Christmas without a loved one, like it is for me. Perhaps this is your first Christmas after a divorce. Perhaps you're struggling with depression or anxiety. Perhaps you're not able to afford many gifts this year, or you're feeling especially lonely or far away from people you, you love, or perhaps you just aren't feeling it. Perhaps this is the time of year when you most feel the gulf between your life as it is and, your, and what you wish for. I think that sometimes we suffer because we have a gap between our expectations and reality. And when it comes to the holidays, there can be so much pressure, both within and without, to have it look, and more so to have it feel a certain way. And that gap can be hard to reconcile and to come to peace with. In my first year of ministry here at UUAC, I led the Christmas Eve services alone. Nathan was on a family vacation, his first Christmas Eve off in over a decade that he had been here at that time. And that year we didn't have an intern and I was on deck to lead solo. Now for some context, in my dad's family, which is the larger side of my family, Christmas Eve has always been the big family gathering of the season with my grandparents and my dad's six siblings and all of their families and my 17 first cousins and their families and their children, it's actually quite large. There's two Yankee swaps, that's how big it is, and Santa comes and it's cacophonous and it's lovely. And when I went into ministry, before I even started here, I knew that this was something that was going to need to be impacted that my heart from here on out would be always in two places on this night as I entered the world of ministry, the world of Saturday nights forever being a work night and Christmas Eve being at church. So back to my first year here, the 5.30 service of delightful chaos had just ended. The building had cleared out and remember at this point, I barely knew any of your names. I had, I, was, I had 45 minutes between the two services, and I had left the house early, earlier that day in a hurry, only barely realizing in time that I'd be here through dinner time, and I slapped together a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which, full disclosure, I actually really, really dislike peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They're just really convenient. And I jumped in the car. So after the first service had ended, I FaceTimed my sister while I ate, to say hello at our family party. And as we said goodbye, I started crying over my dry peanut butter and jelly sandwich, <laughs> alone in my office, missing my family. And some things have changed since then. My family does their party earlier and closer, so I generally go for a few hours. 
Our traditions have substantially changed in enough other ways that it feels like part of a natural growth cycle of my cousin's generation. And I've never made the mistake of bringing a pathetic peanut butter and jelly sandwich for Christmas dinner again. I now organize getting takeout dinner with the staff to eat together. And most of all, I've come to know you and this community and love you so that my heart is here too when I'm with you. But I think of this story when I think about that wide gulf between our expectations of what the holiday should feel like and the reality of what was happening. Mindfulness teacher Tara Brack writes, the Buddha once asked a student, if a person is struck by an arrow, is it painful? The student replied, it is. Then the Buddha, Buddha asked, if a person is struck by a second arrow, is that even more painful? The student replied, it is. The Buddha explained, in life, we cannot always control the first arrow. However, the second arrow is our reaction to the first. With this second arrow comes the possibility of choice. The first arrow, according to Buddhist teachings, is the arrow of pain. Pain, they say, is inevitable. The second arrow is the arrow of suffering. Suffering, the Buddha teaches, is optional. For me this year, the gap between my expectations of the holiday and the reality of the holidays is larger than ever before. As many of you know, my dad passed away unexpectedly in January of last year, and this year will be the first Christmas without my dad. And I will actually be with my dad's family on Christmas Eve this year, which is where I need to be in this first year. But my heart will still be in two places, here with all of you who I love, who are, and I look out and I see so many of you too who are facing the holidays for the first time without a beloved loved one. And it is an understatement to, stay, to say that a year ago, this was not my expectation, but it is my reality. And all of my expectations about what a future would look like with my dad in it, all of those shattered images and all of the memories of what our family used to do at Christmas, the traditions and the nostalgia, come into clearer focus, I find, at this time of year. Because holidays are a touch point, a snapshot as we mark the same day year after year with people added or missing, with traditions added or skipped. And we can more clearly see the marching of time and the seasons that have gone and feel their absence. Our reading this morning was from Reverend Stephen Pilbrick, and I kept returning to his words. The spaces between atoms, these are places too. The moment when your soul seems to freeze up, this is true too. Ice is also. After the beginning, after the end and before the beginning is time too. Let it alone. Don't try so hard. That is God too. All of you is. My friends, the hard parts, too, these are holy. The hard parts, too, are part of this season. The gap between your expectation and reality, that is real, too. 
Let it alone. Don't try so hard. In this time of year when we celebrate the bringing of good news to the earth, I want us to remind I want us to remember that Christmas, the core message of Christmas is about gritty hope, not shiny happiness. For Unitarian Universalists, the divinity of Jesus has historically been a complex question, but we can agree at least that Jesus was a great man and a great teacher who preached that we should love our neighbors as ourselves, not just the neighbors who look like us, but all of our neighbors. Jesus, who challenged the empire of his day, who swore allegiance to a higher law, a law of love, who represents the hope for a salvation and a healing that can be so generous, so perfect, so grace-filled. Reflecting on the Christmas story, to me, is about holding that hope for love, for salvation, for redemption, for grace, in a world that is not there yet. In a world where there is a gap between what our hearts long for and what we see around us. A world that is still living in a shadow of empire. A world that says too often that we have no room at the inn. A world that says this to a poor brown woman who traveled an impossible journey and is trying to find a safe place to raise her child. This Christmas story reminds us that we live in a broken world made up of broken people. And we know that there is a crack in everything. Say it with me. That is how the light gets in. The Christmas story is not merely a story of joy. It is a story of fear and worry and of the promise that love can be born amidst struggle. This season is about holding hope that love can come amidst all of the difficulties. And for those who feel hopeless or lonely or lost, for those who might need a reminder that the light, it comes back slowly. This message, this season, is actually especially for you. So if you are struggling this season, I hope you can hear, that, hear this message in Christmas, the promise that love can be born amidst struggle and fear and heartbreak. This season, you do not need to try to be anywhere but where you are. Don't try so hard. Allow the pressures that say you have to manufacture your feelings and put a smile on your face and joy in your heart Allow those pressures and those voices to fall away because the hard parts, too, are holy. And when we do not struggle to be anywhere but where we are, we can lessen the sting of that second arrow and trust it will not always feel this hard. The light will get in and the light will come back. I close with... The second time I've quoted Jan Richardson this morning, who I return to each Advent season and who just writes so beautifully. She writes, I cannot tell you how the light comes. What I know is that it is more ancient than imagining, that it travels across an astounding expanse to reach us, that it loves searching out what is hidden, what is lost, what is forgotten or in peril, or in pain. That it has a fondness for the body, 
for finding its way toward flesh, for tracing the edges of form, for shining forth through the eye, the hand, the heart. I cannot tell you how the light comes, but that it does, that it will. That it works its way into the deepest dark that enfolds you, though it may seem long ages in coming, or arrive in a shape you did not foresee. And so, she writes, may we this day turn ourselves toward it. May we lift our faces to let it find us. May we bend our bodies to follow the arc it makes. May we open and open more and open still to the blessed light that comes. My beloved people, may you find moments of comfort and gritty, courageous hope this season. May you trust that the light will return. And may you ever be blessed. May it be so, and amen.